Hello, and welcome to How Many Geese. He's Jack Badams. And he's Roddy Shaw. And if you're looking for a podcast about nature that doesn't take itself too seriously, then we are the natural selection. On today's episode. Let's play Norwegian Reindeer Animal Scavenger Bingo. Coming to Channel 5. <laughs> Which animal family would win the most medals at the Olympics? When it comes to equestrian, do the other animals have to go on the horse? The horse just has to be on another horse. <laughs> horse on a That's horse. just making more horses, that's what that is. If you ever walk upon a vole doing a lightning dance in a field, turn and run. <laughs> run. So for this little story, we're going to go to Norway, specifically near... Here we go. Hardangavida. Hardangavida? In the southern part of the country. Any Norwegian listeners, I'm sorry for my pronunciation. But we're in Norway. We're in Hardangavida in the southern part of the country. And hunters are walking across this area in the August of 2016 and come across a very unusual site confronting them in the middle of nowhere. Okay? I'm going to show you this picture and you describe what you see. Feel free to sort of zoom in and have a look around. There you go. I passed the picture to Roddy. So it's a rocky field with scraggly heather and a lot, a lot, a lot of dead reindeer covering the countryside. And not just dead reindeer, but like, have they been? Oh, no, I thought it was their ribs, but it's their horns. So, yeah, they're like intact dead reindeer. 323, to be exact. Whoa. Including 70 calves. Wow. As you pointed out, none of the animals seem to have any obvious injuries on them. Yeah, like wolf attack. Yeah. So 323 reindeer found dead, lying in the middle of the Norwegian tundra. What do you think's happened? Disease. That's an obvious one to go for, but it's not that. Um, They all were playing Ring Around the Rosies. (laughs) They saw the hunters come in and went, a tissue, a tissue, we all fall down. They're all just playing dead. Yeah. Like, they're possuming to the absolute elite level. Yes, exactly. It's the first recorded instance of a deer playing dead. <laughs> 323 at once. Um, think, I'll give you a clue, think from the sky. They fell. No, <laughs> not quite. From the sky, hail. No. Lightning strike. Lightning. Oh, my God. So this is a lightning strike that has killed an entire herd of 323 deer because there had been big storms in the area the days preceding their discovery, and it's believed that a lightning bolt had killed them. Not a direct strike because there was sort of no smoldering reindeer lying anywhere. Um, (laughs) Really, really sexy reindeer just (laughs) smouldering down the way towards the hunters. Have you been struck by lightning or did you just get up feeling really good this morning? Yeah, is that an antler in my pocket (laughs) or...? Um, So in storms, herd animals group together for safety because they get scared. Uh, They'll often shelter underneath trees. If a, but if a street a tree's been struck by lightning, that will obviously kill the animals underneath it. But then there is ob, there's obviously sort of a charred remains of a tree there. There was nothing of this. It was just a big open tundra style landscape. So what they think had happened was you've got a direct lightning strike to the ground nearby, and that energy just travels through the ground, goes up one leg of the deer, through stops the heart, down the other leg when it earths. So 323 reindeer just killed sort of on the spot by a lightning strike. Ground currents are apparently, so this is called a ground current, and they're the things that are responsible for most deaths of people and animals when it comes to lightning strikes. In this case, the reindeer are sort of spread 
over an area of 50 to 80 meters across the hillside. So that's how far they reckon the lightning was able to travel at a lethal level under the ground to be able to kill the reindeer. This is the first I'd ever heard about sort of mass death of any sort of thing by lightning, but literally only what we are now. So we're recording this in early September. Last month in August 2021, a shepherd in Georgia, the European country, not the state, mm-hmm. lost his herd of 550 sheep to a lightning storm. And he's currently in the process of trying to prove to the Georgian government that they were killed by lightning and therefore deserves compensation. Oh my God, he's going to sue lightning. <laughs> he's like, they were killed by lightning and the Georgian government are like, well, can you prove it? I didn't realise you could sue a government over lightning. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think suing and claiming compensation are maybe a slightly different thing. Oh, okay, well. But yeah, so he's trying to he's trying to get that back. But anyway, the story of the Norwegian reindeer doesn't end with their death. So I found this story because of what came afterwards. Because this presented scientists, 323 reindeer, lying on this hillside with a really unique opportunity to study what happened to their bodies and the ecosystem after all these reindeer had died. So the bodies were left, and there was a great little line that said, apart from their heads, which were removed for research, in adverted commas. And I was like, what? For research? Yeah, they were smouldering. <laughs> so, <laughs> they were really smouldering. One of those researchers was like, I'm, I'm having that one. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I went and read the actual article, uh, the actual paper, and it was they, were, they took their heads away to test the reindeer for chronic wasting disease to see whether they were in any sort of, you know, see whether that could be why they died or whatever. But it was lightning. But basically what they did was they set up a load of camera traps all across the dead reindeer to see what would come and scavenge. <laughs> to see if they got back up. <laughs> <laughs> headless reindeer. Well, Frankenstein had been hit by lightning. All these zombie reindeer. Oh, yeah, headless at this point as well. Yeah. So they've got all these remote camera traps looking over this felled herd headless reindeer. And they turned the area into basically a field lab to study what would happen over the course of the next sort of two years. And the paper that I was, the paper that I found had been published in 2018. So we're talking about two years after the deaths of the reindeer. So obviously, the first thing that's going to happen with this amount of meat laying on the hillside is animals are going to come and eat it. And a meat raffle. Yeah, a big (laughs) meat raffle. So let's play Norwegian reindeer animal scavenger bingo and see how many you can name. Play at home as well, listener. How many, what, what sort of species do you think are coming to eat the reindeer? Dolphins. No. <laughs> oh, not quite. Damn, I had it on my Norwegian scavenger reindeer there bingo card. I know what you're going to be shouting at home, listener. I'm going to say straight away, there are unfortunately no wolves and bears on this list. Well, then, Two big hitters straight out the running. Then it can only be what I had in third place, flamingos. <laughs> <laughs> no, they they actually don't scavenge. They are pure hunters and need the movement of their prey <laughs> to trigger their hunting instinct. So, birds, though. We've got birds. I'm working my way through known Norwegian wildlife. So we've got <laughs> dolphins, wolves, bears, predatory flamingos. Obviously, what's next? Wombats. <laughs> I didn't think you'd do so well so quickly. I know. Right, okay. Norwegian, so birds. So there's going to be 
crows or yep. ravens. So we've got hooded crows, yep. which are essentially their sort of version of carrion crow, your standard crow, and we've got ravens. Yep. So they're, they're the top two scavengers that came. Yeah. Hooded crows, famous for hanging around outside newsagents, skulking. <laughs> Asking older people to go and buy them cigarettes. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The older crows. <laughs> Think, think. So stay with birds. Yeah, we're in a sort of mountainous area. There's going to be like eagles, golden eagles. Yeah, yeah. So there, there are sort of three main birds. So we can forget about birds. Think mammals now. Rats. Yeah. So rodents. rodents. So I, it wasn't rats, but the rodents. We've got things like root voles, bank voles, field voles, and lemmings. Kind of far. Imagine being a vole and spending your whole life. You're what the size of a tangerine or something an yeah. apple yeah. looking at a deer a reindeer think god i'd love a piece of that <laughs> and all of a sudden 323 <laughs> arrive on your sort of little little volley doorstep the banquet the the sheer like hedonism no imagine it's looking at it thinking those thoughts or saying it to its little volley mate when the lightning bolt comes from the sky yeah. and instantly fells them and they just sort of look at each other and go holy shit thank you vol zeus <laughs> Because of course, Thor, it would be up in. Norway, oh yeah, in Norway, it? of course, yeah. Thor, no, it doesn't <laughs> yeah, work. No, it doesn't work. I... Thol, <laughs> Thol works better. Thol. Um, so we got rodents, we got ravens, hooded crows, golden eagles. There are t- uh, three mammals left on the list. Oh, is it I know you're shouting at home, Lister. I know you've got them all. But is it musk ox? <laughs> no. <laughs> you said no wolves or bear. Oh wait, you said lynx. No, not Wolverine. 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 So Wolverine is the one that I didn't think you'd get. The next one is, so yeah, Wolverine is on there, which is the massive mustelid. It's like a pine martin on steroids, like a stoat on steroids. Massive Wolverines were coming there as well. And the next two are two different species of the same animal. Two different. I think scavenging animal. Arctic fox, red fox. Yes, God. nailed it. Arctic fox and red fox. So Tell you least- what, once you put flamingos and dolphins to one side... The rest of them just fall into place. Right. Norwegian reindeer animal scavenger bingo is the next big game. <laughs> Coming to Channel 5. <laughs> so the full list is ravens, hooded crows, golden eagles, red fox, arctic fox, wolverine, and then assorted rodents. Misk. <laughs> Misk rodents. So no surprises that animals turned up to eat the deer. But what happened sort of after is the interesting bit. And this was this is how I sort of found the story. Because a lot of the plant life around these felled reindeer starts to die as the body's decomposed because oh. it's raising the acidity level of the soil. Oh, it's so cool. So the a lot of the plants around it die. So you're getting this sort of bare earth now forming around the reindeer carcasses. But the scavengers are bringing a load of seeds in their droppings, in their feces. How, just quickly, did you say how big of an area this, is it like a football pitch? Is it, do we know that? I'm sure we do. I don't have that. Uh, So it says here, the animals seem to be in an area that was 50 to 80 metres in diameter on the hillside. Okay, fine. So these plants are starting to die as it becomes the soil becomes more acidic, but the scavengers are bringing seeds in their feces, in their droppings, which can replace the plants which are being lost. But these are plants that are being scavenged. So the things like birds are bringing things like crowberry, which they're foraging on. They're eating crowberries. They're flying over to the carcass to eat the deer. And then the seeds are coming out in their droppings and then they're growing. And those plants that are being brought like really nutrient-rich bare soil to grow on, which is being created by these decomposing reindeer. 
these plants are also given a pretty good chance at starting to grow because the rodents, although they're coming to the carcasses in pretty small number, they're in general being scared away by the predators, particularly mm-hmm. the birds that are coming. So in the first year of the study, rodents were really under-recorded because there's massive ravens and all that sort of stuff around. Also, a lot of shame um, <laughs> in being a vole wanting to try a reindeer, I think. They really don't want to get caught out. You yeah. know, They're doing it when no one's looking. They're like, oh, I just want to taste, just want a piece. <laughs> Let me try that reindeer. So you've got you've got the fact that the, the, the rotting reindeer are creating these perfect conditions for the seeds to germinate, and then they're not being nibbled by rodents because the predators are having the effect of scaring them away. So they're getting established. And in fact, it was this bit that led to the study. So the study I was reading, the study that I came across that alerted me to this entire story, it was this sort of impact that they led with. And the title of their paper was Fear the Reaper. Ungulate carcasses may generate an ephemeral landscape of fear for rodents. Fear the Reaper is, you know, I think if you're a scientist and you've been able to publish a paper with that, you've sort of completed it. More cowbell. Yeah. But um, so anyway, the reason I mention this is because this creates what this is documenting is a really cool thing in ecology that is apparently called the necrobiome. That yes, please, more of that. So this this documents the creation of a necrobiome, which is something that is being talked about more and more. I saw Twitter conversations about this a few weeks ago when it comes to sort of rewilding. and Because one of the things we're missing, and I didn't realise this, one of the things we're missing in the landscape is dead animals lying around. Because when it comes to the farmed landscape, we have to remove animals off the land because of government regulations to yeah. stop disease and all that sort of stuff. You think like Serengeti, Masai Mara, whatever. Mm. Dead animals, they're a big part of the landscape And at first I was like, well, yeah, because they're feeding vultures and they're feeding other predators. But this study is actually showing that there's a lot more subtle effects going on where you can get islands of plant diversity where they've really changed the soil acidity and seed source um, because of the predators and the scavengers that are being brought to it. That is bonkers. So there's a whole ecosystem that we're missing. And although we do get, you know, we've got wild deer that die and collapse we're missing this entire necrobiome in our landscape because we don't have these animal carcasses lying around the place so does the paper advocate is the decision to have more necrobiomes so the the paper is literally just documented this right. one case study you know it's not it's not suggesting yeah, anything, anything really yeah. but the the discussion the discussions that i've seen since is people advocating for this so there are rewilding projects that want to allow want to get permission from the government to leave you know a cow carcass just out just for the scavengers to come and eat it for the nutrients to be returned to the soil etc cetera, etc cetera. there's a lot of deer control deer culling up in the highlands where we've got too many deer because there's no predators so to allow the forest to regenerate and stop the saplings being nibbled they're culling a lot of deer most of those are taken off the hills to go into food production or whatever but more and more are sort of being shot and and left but another problem that we have is we don't have really any predators anymore in this country that can break into these carcasses because if you've got let's say an intact deer Mm. the crows will peck its eyes out but the only thing that can actually break into a carcass before it's properly starting to decompose are eagles because we got rid of the wolves we got rid of the bears Mm, mm. we don't actually have big predators that can crack into these carcasses that then allow your foxes and your badgers and everything else to get into it okay hear me out okay we arm the voles (laughs) i mean they want it they obviously want it tiny vole chainsaws 
<laughs> what they're going to go around with is um, lightning rods oh, and yeah. just put them in very strategic <laughs> places. <laughs> they're going to wait for the storm to come and then they're going to go and put little tiny lightning rods around all the herds of deer and just wait. Oh my God. And just do their little volley lightning dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you ever walk upon a vole doing a lightning dance in a field, turn and run. <laughs> run. Yeah. They don't hide under the trees. Their allegiance to Thole <laughs> is such that <laughs> fury will rain down. Voley fury will rain from the skies. It's the worst kind of fury. Mm. So that's the story of the 323 reindeer that were killed by a lightning strike and the necrobiome. Do you remember in, oh, 2000... I love four or five years ago mm. there's a type of antelope in central asia i want to say kazakhstan i think it's called a saiga saiga the ones with the really weird looking noses like weird big nose. bulbous nose yeah, yeah yeah and there was massive die-offs of them and i right. don't think anyone knows why like 80 percent of the population or something just died at once i heard but i didn't think it was this recent i heard that saiga antelope there was some sort of radioactive lake that they were all drinking from well maybe that is what it was we have the technology we have the technology to have a quick live check i'm imagining we're going to edit in some kind of noise yeah. we're back in Okay, so I've had a look, and it was in 2015. Right. And there was a mass die-off of the endangered saiga antelope. Uh -huh. Now, if you are at home, do Google this. It's S-A-I-G-A, -A, because you really need to see what these things look like. Imagine, picture an antelope deery thing, but then on its face, it almost looks like Watto out of <laughs> Star Wars Episode One, which yeah. is, again, a really niche reference. But it's just a huge, floppy, bulbous nose thing. They look weirdly prehistoric. Like when you see those, mm. you go to a museum and it's like, these are what mammals used to look like. And they're all bizarre, yeah. you know, mismashes of evolution. They look like one of them. Anyway. In May 2015, conservation groups got word that the saiga that roamed the grasslands of Kazakhstan were dying off in droves. They'd already planned to go out there and study them during their carving system, mm. this team of conservationists. But when they arrived to central Kazakhstan in late May 2015, they had heard that some had begun to die already. Now, there's been some small die-offs, I guess just bits of disease and stuff. So hearing... And they're big herding animals, so yeah. they weren't too concerned that they heard that some of these were going to die, right? However... Within two days of the field workers' arrival, 60% of the herd they were studying had died. Oh, wow. So they didn't arrive to find them dead. They were watching them sort of dying. They came to conduct a study as usual during the calving season. Yeah. As they were going, they heard, oh, some of them are dying. But they were like, well, you know, there's always disease. There's yeah. always this. Two days into arrival, 60% of the herd had died. Yeah. By four days, the entire herd. Now, herd, we're not talking something on a farm. About 60,000 holy saigas had died off. Like these exist in massive herds wow. on the grassland. Four days, the entire herd had died. And they struggled to keep up with the mass dying, just quickly burying them in heaps. Now, interestingly, for what we've heard, maybe this would have been the mother of all necrobiomes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I guess they didn't know what was doing it. Maybe they thought it was a disease. Just get the bodies under the ground, uh -huh. right? Okay. So the team of scientists were completely baffled by this. And when the field workers called, when they contacted others in the field, so other group studying populations, they found that dios were occurring in other herds as well. 
all in all, there are about five Saiga populations around the world. There's three big populations there's in Kazakhstan, one in Russia, and another, which is a slightly different subspecies that kind of moves around Mongolia. Right. And all of these seem to be exhibiting die-offs. And it was happening so fast, they didn't really know what was causing it. They noticed, though, that the mothers seemed to be dying off first, followed by their calves. Some calves were even seen suckling from the mothers after the mothers oh, had died. God. Like, and this is thousands on thousands, like as far you know, Jesus. up to the horizon yeah, of yeah, just yeah. necrobiome. <laughs> they were able to take very detailed tissue samples from the dead animals because they were on the ground at the time. And they noticed some strange bacterial toxins, but again, it didn't seem enough to cause the massive die-off it didn't resolve the entire mystery the bacteria that was implicated is often found in species like this antelopes ruminants cattle and rarely causes harm unless their immune system's already done so it really didn't explain what was causing tens and tens of thousands in four days to go at the time of this article which is september 2015 so the die-off okay. is may so june july august september so four months after this 150,000 have died so far that year. Oh, my God. What's yeah. the population? Do you, do you know what a percentage that is of the population? Not entirely. Yeah. I mean, it could be an underestimate because it only counts the ones which have been buried right. and the ones which have been noticed. Wow. So any individuals weren't counted. They collected samples of the soil they were working on, the water they were drinking, the vegetation they were eating, every single bit, and none of it could explain this population crash. It had been a bit of a hard winter, followed by lots of lush vegetation, but again, nothing weird at all. In 1988, there was a similar mass die-off, which killed hundreds of thousands of saiga, but then there seemed to be a bit more of an indication as to what was doing it. They might have tied it to a specific bacteria, but didn't do much further investigation. And at the time of that article being written, no one really the cause. Yeah. So what we'll do here is we'll put in another editable pause yeah. and I'll have a quick look. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. So they conducted all those studies of taking soil samples, looking at the water and everything. But I mentioned that there had been that earlier die-off in 1988, yeah. which had been attributed to Pasteurella bacteria. It seems like after conducting more research, that is what caused it. So the labs which were doing the research into the mass die-offs identified Pasteurella multocida as the causative agent of hemorrhagic septicemia, oh. which suggests that their blood was what, just... Jesus. bursting and being infected. That's two words right? you don't want to put together. No, 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 no. And that led to the deaths of the animals. Now, it seems that that has been recorded in other, looking at literature reviews, mm. that bacteria has been responsible for other, I can't think of the word to, to group these, like ruminants or like antelope, deer, you know, big grazing herding yeah. animals had sort of been reported for other die-offs in grassland ecosystems like that. But the level of mortality in the infected groups was never close to 100% as it was observed right. for in Saiga. Yeah, they yeah. seem to get it and just get absolutely hammered. Wow. It was classified as an unprecedented biological event. So the herd that that original group of scientists were going to look at... Yeah was called the Betpak Dala population. Mm -hmm. That was those 60,000 there. It showed up to almost 100% mortality oh in the entire population of Saiga going. 
Kazakhstan lost almost 90% of its Saiga, and it had three of the world's population. So they were already pretty critically oh endangered. Then 90% of them were wiped out in the space of a couple months. By the end of the investigation, about 200,000 animals had died in May, just dropping dead in the field. And there's a lot of ongoing research into exactly why this bacteria suddenly infected them to such an extent, because it normally lives harmlessly in the respiratory sac of the saiga. So mm. something else was going on which triggered this bacteria to then give them all this hemorrhagic septicemia. Yeah. After identifying this bacteria as the cause of the die-off, Professor Richard... Oh, that's unfortunate. Professor Richard Cock <laughs> from the Royal Veterinary College. <laughs> Professor Cock, I Professor, Professor Cock from the RVC says, there is no practical prophylaxis possible against hemorrhagic septicemia in Saiga, given the species behaviour and the lack of a delivery mechanism for a vaccine. The likely stress caused by attempting to vaccinate them either through aerial spraying or aerosolized vaccine or other means may be as likely to lead to mortality as the disease itself. Wow. So even if we tried to stop this, we'd kill them anyway. You can't, yeah. <laughs> Once environmental triggers and cofactors are determined, what could be making this bacteria suddenly spike and get them all, the potential for intervention can be reassessed. We just don't know enough about it. We don't know enough about it, but his comment there, aerial spraying... Is that like crop dusting? Like crop Maybe. dusting a vaccine? Yeah. Because... You do that with COVID. I'm wondering, should Professor Cock get involved at, you know, <laughs> COVID control and just start crop dusting the global... Oh, that sounds a bit... <laughs> <laughs> However, I do want to end this with a bit of good news. So that was in 2015. Yeah. I I'm, I'm delighted, Jack. I'm thrilled. I, I need something to pick me up after this. To let you know that... Between 2016 to 2018, yeah. the population of critically endangered saiga antelope doubled. Yay! So to, they, to four. They're <laughs> <laughs> making a comeback. Wow. There we go. Yeah. From your lightning strike necrobiome. To hemorrhagic septicemia. Hemorrhagic septicemia across the grasslands of Kazakhstan. Wow. And for the listeners, really getting a chance to see how the sausage is made. <laughs> <laughs> With live... On the spot research. Yeah. Everyone at home got to hear a bit of the. Oh. Really terrified for a second after doing that that I was going to accidentally delete the recording. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time for that part of the show where we take one of nature's magnificent creatures and we pit it against Roddy Shaw in a fight to the death. Now, today's animal has been submitted by Katie Grant. And it is the baboon. Katie, why have you done this? <laughs> so let's get to know our foe. Now, Katie! I, I have gone for the olive baboon here, which is the most wide-ranging species found across 25 countries throughout Africa. As the name suggests, it's got an olive browny coat and he's one of the largest species of monkey. So let's start talking sizes. Males can stand around 70 centimetres tall, uh, with a head and body length being just under a metre long. The males generally weigh about 24 kilograms. Some big boys will top 50, uh, but with the females coming in around sort of 15. Weapons, the most obvious being their teeth. 
Males can have canines that reach about two inches in length, and as well as just eating insects, leaves, fruits, tubers, etc. Baboons can also get around one third of their food from actively hunting. The biggest thing that they can hunt is small gazelles, but they'll also take sheep, goats, chickens, etc. So, couple their teeth with their little dexterous hands and strong muscles, you've got a pretty fearsome foe. When I was looking at this, I came across a a few examples of human attacks, and I found the story of Fred, a Cape baboon, which is very similar to the olive baboon, lives down in South Africa, which came to international attention as the leader of a baboon gang, which developed a reputation for raiding homes and cars, assaulting and interfering with local residents, tourists, and stealing food. Fred had learned how to open car doors, basically, and if he saw any sign of food in it, would lead raids into the car, open the car door, jump in, take the food, and that as you're probably not surprised to know, led to some attacks which had quite serious injuries for people. Um, So, the question is, Roddy Shaw, how many baboons are too many baboons? Katie, you and me need to have words. (laughs) This is a scary one. Is this the first primate we've done? It is. Me and you have got strong feelings about primates, I think, (laughs) when it comes to fighting them. Yeah, some of them, like like a gibbon... Yeah, uh, nothing. Nothing against gibbons. They just no. they seem cool. Yeah, baboons don't. They're not. They've got no chill. No, zero, <laughs> zero. Neg- the vibes are off <laughs> with a baboon. And you said the males were what up to fifty kilos. So on average, they generally weigh about twenty four. But the big boys can top fifty. So I think you know that's like a Rottweiler, isn't it? Oh yeah, they're like sizable dogs with hands. <laughs> <laughs> sizable dogs with hands. Jesus. Okay. And they're really good at climbing. They're good at climbing. And they're really smart. Yeah. Can they swim? Yes, they can. But if they're swimming, their hands and legs are busy. Yes. Right. It's starting to piece together. (laughs) The thing that's going to do the damage is the teeth. Yeah. But they're strong. And the way they're going to be able to sort of, you know, really do damage with their teeth is by pinning you or holding you Mm, or whatever mm. but if you take that away the bit i'm trying to think as well though is if it's just in a swimming pool Uh they might wait on the edge how many baboons oh god it's just terrifying because yeah their teeth are massive can i just fight the women (laughs) (laughs) do i have to take one of the massive 50 kilo males i mean that's that's up for debate is will this cause some kind of Backlash. If I, I just want to beat up the thing, I can hear. <laughs> I can hear the complaints being written. But I've definitely. When it was like orcas, I took yeah, on the babies. You took on the babies as the adjudicator, which is my role. As long as you're fighting a baboon, yeah, I'm letting you pick. Letting you pick your battles. Do, how many? How many are in like a troop? Oh, they can. They can really vary. They can be like you can have troops that are sort of fifty strong, or you can have bachelor groups that sort of go off. It can really be anything. But a troop's going to be one male. I think they have multiple. I think there's like a dominant male. Alpha, and then some others, and then a load of lady baboons. Females and babies. Right. I think I'm going to take on a troop. Okay. And now I need to work out the size of the troop. But what I'm doing here is I'm limiting it to one big baboon. Right. Got you. And all other baboons are of significantly smaller stature. (laughs) Right. Okay. 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 So I don't just want to... Yeah. You know, You're still including a big one just um, so you can say you've... Just so we can, yeah, yeah, yeah. Being yeah. the boss. Exactly, exactly. So there's a boss fight in this. Uh-huh. I keep coming back to in my head, because we've done water park. Yeah. You know those Olympic diving things? Olympic diving, what, like pools? Yeah, that's the, really <laughs> the last, yeah. 
Yes. Um, yeah. Know, yeah. Something with that, but I don't know why it helps me. Maybe so because you, they want to climb to the top and then... So your position in this is stood in the pool, yeah? That sort of half in, torso yeah, out. Yeah, but that's suggesting that they're using the diving board. The way I see this, the only way you get the upper hand is by they're getting into the water. Yeah, and see, this is the bit that I'm trying to work out because... What's happened to date is yeah. we've had big aquatic things yeah. and we've gone, they're already in the water. How do I make that water work for me? Yeah. In this scenario, yeah. the baboons aren't already in the water. Yeah. I have to get them into the water <laughs> yeah. for the balance to tip in my favour. But also as part of this scenario, they are, you know, the, the rules of this is that they are trying to kill you. They're trying to get to me. But what I'm saying is if I'm just in a swimming pool... And they're angry on the edges. They're yeah. just going to be angry on the edges. They're going to throw stuff at you. Right, all of they're that. They're going to throw sun lounges or shit or whatever so it is. So it's all coming together. This is how right. the diving board works. Right. I'm running from the baboons. Right. <laughs> okay. Through a leisure centre. Through <laughs> a leisure centre. Through the changing rooms, full pelt. They're quick. I'm under no live. At but the Olympic Park. I've got a little bit of a head start. I'm giving myself that because, you, you know, because I can. Exactly. Yeah. It's my fantasy, right? <laughs> the thing here is... I need to trick them into the pool, which is why we yeah. go up the diving board. Uh, okay. The baboons are like, ha ha, silly Roddy. We <laughs> dominate the climbing world. They're all then, and then it's a ladder, so it like strings them out. Yeah. Up, 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 up. I then run, and dive off, and then they just, the, the momentum <laughs> is such that they keep going, dive off the pool. We get to the bottom of the pool. I then dive, swim under, all the baboons crash oh. into the pool. I come up like Rambo style. <laughs> Like, emerge, emerge from the level of the water with just my eyes peeking up. The terror in their eyes when they suddenly realise, oh, shit. Then it's game on. <laughs> then you just dunk it on them. Exactly. Right. I'm below them, grabbing them by the tail, pulling them down <laughs> into the water in some kind of opposite whack-a-mole situation. <laughs> then it's game on. So then it becomes, what are we saying? We don't want to get too hectic because we don't want straggler baboons to realise uh, thing can be... Oh, I don't want to oversell my... 20. <laughs> I don't want to oversell myself. 20 baboons. That's a lot of baboons. It's a huge amount of baboons, but that's one big one. Okay, one big one. That's a terrifying number of baboons. Now that, <laughs> <laughs> the more I think about it, that, I was going on 50 being like the big. I was like, oh, half of that and then less, but no, 20 is... Just imagine that on the table in front of you. No, I don't want to. I'm scared already. <laughs> but that big one, I think as soon as he's in the water, he's at risk. He's at risk. Immediately, his... The tables have turned very quickly on him. Yeah. And I'm hoping that he'd be at the front of this conga line of <laughs> baboons. Murderous he conga line. dives with such confidence. Maybe even we don't have the run. Maybe I'm already up there and they just see me and they yeah. come up or something. Yeah, we can do that. As they go and I dive. They follow out of kind of ego. We go, he comes, how many? Nine. He dives, eight much smaller baboons follow him, and then it's Rambo time. Aqua attack. Perfect. Katie, never say that again. So we've got a question here on Instagram from One Minute Wildlife who wants to know which animal family would win the most medals at the Olympics. Oh, very topical, mm. given the year and the summer. Okay, how are we doing family? I'm going to break it down in terms of 
So within mammals, you've got big cats. You've yeah, got okay. primates. You've got the whales. Really got... broad stroke. Yeah, well, I think so. Okay. And we are saying this is not the Animal Olympics. This is the Olympics. So they are doing the human sports. They are still doing the hurdles, the high jump, okay. weightlifting, the heptathlon, archery. What's that one? What's that wild one? The modern pentathlon where they have to like shoot, swim, yeah. ride a horse <laughs> and ski. It's just who can be the best James Bond spy. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> Are we enacting the third law of geese when it comes to primates <laughs> and what we think to the great apes? No great apes. No great apes because... Well, let's let's. No, I think in this instance they yeah. are on the table okay. because it's not usually with the third law of geese. Mm. It's involves a confrontation between us and them, or some level of suitability for yeah. them to do a task for us. Yeah, like who's be the best chef or whatever, and okay. it's like, oh well, they have hands, right, therefore they're going to do really good. Yeah. But this is them versus other animals. Right. So weightlifting, gorillas, going to do strong, but swimming. Yeah. Right. But then also weightlifting, elephant rocks up. Yep. Crushing the gorilla. Yeah. No, for sure. Is this also, and this is the real one for me. Yeah. Are we scaling the animals? That's not, are we covering them in scales? (laughs) (laughs) That's, are we bringing them all to the same size? I see. Because what you're saying is like the hummingbirds don't have much of a chance. Exactly. I would say, no, there's no scaling of animals. Because you're thinking like high jump, you're suddenly you're scaling up fleas and things. Yeah. Then you're just that's opening another world. Well, I'm not ready to open Pandora's box. This is the great Pandora's box in this is bringing the insects in because once they enter the game, yeah, it's that. game over basically for everything else. Because yeah, you've got fleas jumping buildings, you've got ants lifting fucking <laughs> cruise ships, the stadium. Yeah, you know exactly. I think. But with insects as well, is if we're talking about sort of breaking down, say, the mammal families into primates, whatever, you would be breaking down insects into dragonflies, butterflies. Uh, butterflies. Yeah, like what are the butterflies going to do? Um, Look fabulous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They'd be doing dressage or something, wouldn't they, if they were? If they yeah, were that's the point. When it comes to equestrian, do the other animals have to go on the horse? Maybe the horse just does it for itself. In which case? The horse just has to be on another horse. <laughs> horse on a that's horse. just making more horses. That's what that is. So, which group are the best all-rounders? I think for me it's big cats. Yeah? Yeah. So the cheetah's bringing home the sprint, obviously. Um, I don't know how this translates to weightlifting, but leopards can, like, drag giraffes up into trees. Jaguars as well. Their strength is unreal. So they might, you know, they might score highly. Tigers can swim. I'm pretty sure yeah. tigers can swim. There's like ones which live in mangrove swamps. And yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. Tigers, tigers love the water. I Gymnastics, mean, they're cleaning up. Mm, although the gibbons are going to enjoy that. Yeah, but yeah, very athletic. And if I, you know, on the balance beam, big cat ocelot or something. Yeah, is crushing it. Well, huge intimidation factor with the big psychological game. You don't want to be in the lane next to. They let off a growl. <laughs> that yeah. like low the jaguar. I think big cats are doing well for me. Big cats are doing well. I can see them taking home a couple of, you know, a few podiums. The weird things like archer and shooting, I don't know how that fits into things until you get, like, maybe archer fish, and that's Ooh, it. Yeah, so <laughs> archer just, fish are taking that home. Yeah. <laughs> they just do. That's the only thing I can think of that is anything close. <laughs> the fish get one medal, and it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that. archery. <laughs> they 
don't even get a medal in swimming. They just get a medal in archery. I think in this instance, we do have to rattle through some of them. So we are allowing the primates. The third law of geese is on hold. Uh-huh. Um, and the third law of geese, for those who don't know, is that basically primates aren't involved in most of these things because they're too similar to they're us. They're too similar to us, so it doesn't really count. No questions on what the first and second law of geese are. <laughs> um, but the primates can do well. Although, actually, I don't really know because sprinting... They're not winning that. Not winning that. Long distance, they're not winning that unless in some weird way we're included. But yeah. weightlifting, they've got a shout. They've got a shout of a podium. Um, gymnastics with the gibbon, they got a shout. Yeah. They're, they're possibly so close to us that they're... <laughs> they're average compared to other animals. Yeah, is like low, yeah. right? They did, haven't, uh, isn't this Olympics the first time they've introduced climbing? You know, the climbing ball. Oh. They'd be... Smashed it. They'd be up that. That's what we've yeah. done. All right, that's a good point. Barbary apes that live uh, on Gibraltar, that climb up the rock of Gibraltar. Oh, yeah. They'll be straight up there. And um, skateboarding was introduced <laughs> as well. And I can imagine a chimp on a skateboard. I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> What's long... Di- you mentioned long distance running then. I'm, th- I'm almost thinking like, okay, let's think of sports on which animals are going to do well in there. Long distance is going to be... So this is one of the weird things about nature, right, is that we are essentially physically pathetic to all animals except for long distance running, where we are basically the only thing which can run like us. You know, you get humans doing ultra marathons where it is physically possible for a human to run 50, 60, 70, 80 miles. Pretty much no other animal, not even pretty much, no other animal can do that. And one of our biggest secret weapons is sweat. The fact that we can sweat. Sweat and a bum yeah <laughs> that's it <laughs> but in the animal world then after us i don't know what comes wolves in. yeah or wild dogs yeah wild dogs they they're... can just chase things down can't they yeah so i think they're taking yeah so what about what about the uh, the sort of canines but then i don't think i don't think there's much else they're taking home i think they're getting i think they get all of the track events yeah bar bar the sprint Prince. which is the cheetah yeah they're getting and more long. probably some gazelles or something. Yeah. The gazelles are coming in for the hurdles, aren't they? Yeah, Impala just yeah. smoking everyone else out. <laughs> yeah, just taking two lots of hurdles yeah. in one bound. Well, hang on. Whoa, kangaroo, marsupials. Oh, hello. Yeah. Marsupials. Actually, kangaroo, you've got sprint and jump. Yeah. Koala, climbing, maybe. I don't Very know. slow. Yeah, but I... I Started this with such confidence because I thought they're such a weird group. Yeah, they've got, so, they've got a they lot going on. They might cover all the bases. Possums. Possums. Possums can climb. Yeah. Weightlifting, they don't have much. Have they got anything c- could hold its own in gymnastics? I ran out of steam very I quickly. I came in <laughs> hot. I thought I'd cracked it. I was like, hang on, maybe this is it. But no. Obviously, okay. Swimming pool, it's all the fish. It's all the fish. It's, 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 it's so and, divided between... Yeah. You know, we're not even... And the only mammals that are bringing it, you know, close are dolphins and... Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. Diving. I don't know what... What dives? Gannets. Good. (laughs) (laughs) I came at it a very different angle. I had penguins coming to the end of the diving board and just sort of tipping in. No, I just don't think they have any grace. I think they they tip, but they just spin in (laughs) the air and they wouldn't hit it, you know, sort of head first. They just hit it whichever way. Yeah. But I think a gannet, you know, kingfisher, they're all doing well. The birds aren't doing very well, to be honest. No. Unfortunately, I think this is one time you're going to have to put birds to one side. I think I, honestly, I think I am. I suppose ostrich might take home something on the sprint. 
you know, Cheetah's taking home the gold, but Ostrich might come in second. But then things like Sega Antelope, you forget how quick. They're like really ridiculous. Or um, pronghorns or whatever prong, they are. Pronghorns are the are ones. so fast. Yeah. Oh, what about javelins and shot puts? Primates. Primates. Oh, but then, as I think, every, anything we think of bar climbing, anything we think primates can do, imagine an elephant doing it. As long, It's got the trunk. Weightlifting. Yeah, but weightlifting, it's pick it up, put it down. Javelin, it needs finesse that, okay javelin maybe shot put yeah i can just lob that yeah into next week yeah so things which aren't doing good whatever sheep belong to <laughs> what are they are there oh, they're in there with goats yeah ovids they're not having a good time okay so let's just rank three groups which we think broadly yeah. are going to do well i'm putting big cats in there yeah i think big cats how many swimming events is there because fish are going to take home all of them. Yeah, so if you take well, the shooting events yeah. of shooting and archery... Archfish taking them. Plus the swimming, yeah, fish score high. Okay. So I think fish are going to make it just because they have such dominance in three areas. Okay. So we've got big cats, we've got fish. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything that can do both track and field. But I don't think there's... A primate fast enough to compete in the running. No. And they'll have the throwing. And I don't think anything that can do the running can also do the throwing. So we've got big cats on the leaderboard. We've got fish on the leaderboard. I think primates are going to have think, to go on there. Primates just because, I mean, if you combine gymnastics, the throwing things, climbing. the weightlifting things, which after elephants, they're going to get silvers. Yeah. I think they're going to bring home enough to get yeah. them on there, get them in the top three. Big cats, fish, primates. Yeah. And then if you scaled all the animals, insects, at such a horrific margin... <laughs> Nobody else would compete next yeah. year. <laughs> there we go. And sometime we'll do the Winter Olympics. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of How Many Geese. We hope you enjoyed it. We're having an absolutely great time making it, and we really appreciate everyone listening, uh, the people that have written in with animals for us to fight and questions. Um, please do keep listening, keep engaging, keep sharing, uh, and keep doing all the stuff you know that helps us podcasts out. We really appreciate it. It's 100% true, the kind of stuff you hear, that word of mouth is so useful. So do let anyone know you think might be interested. Um, and as Jack said, we really appreciated it. So give us both a follow. I'm at Slideshow Rod on Instagram. And I'm at Jab Adams, J-A-Badams. And we hope you tune in next week. Thank you. Bye.